You're listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a discussion about living and loving like Jesus in the midst of a post-Christian culture. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode six of the Welcome to Babylon podcast. I'm your host, Keith Caps, here with Phil Kramer, lead pastor of Crossgate Church here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Phil? Keith, I've had a great morning so far. The weather is unbelievably beautiful, and I survived the weekend. Oh, man, the weekend. What's been going on? Well, my wife was out of town, and uh, she was visiting some family down in Florida. And, of course, my kids know exactly what that means whenever mama leaves Uh, We pretty much subsisted on Bagel Bites, Sam's Hot Dogs, and uh, thank goodness my mother brought some dinner over to us on Saturday night, otherwise we might have starved. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad that you guys survived on the Bagel Bites. I don't know that I've ever had a Bagel Bite, but um, certainly does not sound appealing to me. (laughs) Well, I can handle them about two meals straight, and after that, they kind of lose their flavor. Oh, that's great. Man, it was a great weekend. Great uh, football. Did you get to watch the Tennessee and Alabama game? I did. Uh, caught the last uh, quarter of it. Unbelievable. It will go down as an instant classic. And I was pulling for the uh, the volunteers. Not that I'm a volunteers fan per se, but I just, I'm getting tired of Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, you shared about the one-day missions trip when you were talking to the guy with the Alabama hat and how much you hated Alabama. So hopefully he's not listening today. But. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. <laughs> well, yeah, it certainly was a great weekend and i um, excited to be back on the podcast with you this morning. So, of course, this past Sunday, we continued our Welcome to Babylon series with a message entitled In Babylon, Not of Babylon. So great message and want to dive right into that uh, this morning. So you open the message uh, in Daniel. You know, we've been in Jeremiah, moved to Daniel this past week, and you started by describing this intentional effort by the Babylonians to convert a group of godly young men to the Babylonian way of living, right? So um, this included Daniel and some of his friends, and you said the goal here was to break them down and then to build them up in the image of Babylon. So I thought that was really interesting, but how are Christians today maybe facing that same sort of threat, Phil? Well, I tell you, Keith, I mean, we're, we're facing nothing short of spiritual warfare on a cosmic scale. I, I have no doubt about that. I, I'm not one of these guys that goes around finding a demon under every rock, you know, per se. Uh, this is not the lens through which I view everything in life. But I will tell you, man, I mean, we are dealing with spiritual warfare. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Uh, Ephesians 6, 12 uh, famously says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Uh, I believe that godless politicians are just a figurehead. Uh, I believe that Hollywood and media are just manifestations of a of a darker reality. I think pornography, drugs, all manner of substances to which people become addicted are just fruits of a deeper root. Uh, and and there there is an absolute agenda, a dark agenda, uh, to draw people away from God. Uh, and and really, it's all it's all uh, based on the axes of evil that we see in the Bible: the world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, and I appreciate you calling attention to that um, because there are so many comparisons. You know, um, when you look at Daniel and their situation, the Babylonian cat- captivity was obviously 
a physical um, captivity that they were facing, but we're facing some real spiritual, like you said, warfare that that wants to take us captive spiritually. So many comparisons that can be made between Daniel's situation and today's reality. Um, and you know, one of the things that I found really interesting, Phil, was that when Daniel and his friends were taken captive, the Babylonians changed their names, right? So, um, you know, we hear the story of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, but those are actually their Babylonian names, right? Um, they, they had Hebrew names, and the Babylonians changed them and because they were trying to change their identities um, from identities that acknowledge God uh, to ones that worship false gods and, and idols. So do you think that's indicative of the overall goal of the quote-unquote Babylonian agenda? Like, What does that say about our identities today? Yeah, so clearly our identity as Jesus followers is in, is in Jesus Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 includes this statement, uh, Christ who is your life, right? So the, the, the call of the scripture is for us to find our identity in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I think we would all agree that anytime you find your identity outside of Jesus Christ, then, I mean, you're, you're going to go off the, the rails in, in some way, shape, or form, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, and and that's, that's really the root cause of so many problems in people's lives today is they find their identity in other things. They find their identity in their jobs. They find their identity in their, their leisure pursuits. They find their identity in their possessions. Uh, and, and even if you find your identity in your family, right? I mean, if a mother finds her identity in her children or even in her husband rather than in Jesus Christ, then, then she's going to come up short of, of what God uh, really intends for her to enjoy in, in life. And so I think, um, I, I think there, is a, there, there, there is a huge application in this name change thing going on in Daniel chapter 1. However, as we said in the message, you know, they could have called Daniel anything. John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, it didn't matter. I mean, Daniel knew who he was. And the reason why Daniel was unswayed and, and he, was, he was uncompromising was because he knew what his identity was. It wasn't because of a, a name per se, what's in a name as they say, but rather who he truly was in God. Yeah, that's really good um, and, and a great point. Um, and, you know, I heard, I think it was John Piper said one time that, you know, the essence of sin is desiring anything more than God. Um, and, and so really what it boils down to is, is idolatry and so many things that this world, the flesh and the devil, like you said, are trying to pull our affections, pull our attentions away from Jesus Christ being our treasure. Um, so, man, great point. You know, but it's pretty sobering to consider that, you know, there is this concerted effort to undermine the very identities of, of Christ followers. But like you said, Daniel did not give in to those efforts. Like he stood firm, he took a stand, um, and we can do the same thing. But, you know, my question, Phil, is how do believers know where to draw the line between simply living in the context of this culture and compromising our beliefs? Like, where, where do we know what, what's okay, what's acceptable, how far is too far uh, when it comes to compromising our faith? Well, great question. And again, I mean, how, how many times is it applicable simply to apply the question that we ask so often at Crossgate Church, what does the Bible say, right? And so I just, I love the fact that Daniel chapter one does not just give some generality about, hey, follow God, you know, have faith, be holy, whatever. I mean, it gives you a, a real-world setting where you see Daniel going through this decision-making process of applying God's Word to his life and deciding, okay, where should I draw the line here? I mean, should I draw the line so far to one side where nothing is permissible to me whatsoever? 
or should I draw the line to the other extreme where it doesn't matter what I do? So what we see Daniel doing is, again, as we said on Sunday morning, he said, okay, does God's word prohibit me from studying in a foreign university? No. Does God's word prohibit me from having someone else call me by a different name? No, they can call me whatever they want to. I don't care. Does God's word prohibit me from eating certain things and drinking certain things? Yes, it does. Okay, boom, that's where I'm going to draw the line. I mean, it's pretty simple from, I, I think, I'm not even sure that Daniel really had to go through the thought process. It was, it was probably instinctive uh, for Daniel. So I just, I, again, as I said on Sunday morning, I think it's really cool that Daniel demonstrated to us that you don't have to die on every hill. Every little thing doesn't have to be some rigid legalistic exercise and you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And, and we see Daniel living out God's word. Uh, and and I, I love that because it's a great example for me and for everybody. Yeah, that I appreciate that. And I, what I hear you saying is that um, there's this level of intentionality that, you know, maybe we, we ought to on the front end decide what does the Bible say and know those things up front rather than trying to backtrack and figure it out you know, after the fact. Um, so, so important to dig into the word and, and to kind of know what those standards are, um, you know, before we're faced with those situations. I appreciate that, Phil. You know, and while Daniel and his friends, you know, they were taken captive physically by an enemy nation, you know, I was thinking there may be some folks out there who are listening who, quite honestly, are a little bit worried about our current situation in our country today. And, do you think that, like Daniel and his friends, that we may actually see the day where we face real physical persecution in America? Because if I'm honest, we talk about persecution, Phil. The most persecution I think I've ever experienced is a, a snarky look or a sarcastic remark. You know, maybe there were some folks who, who made fun of me in school. Um, but that's about it. Do you think that we'll ever face a day where there's physical persecution and if so, what can we be doing right now to prepare ourselves for that? Well, I think that there most likely will come a day. Uh, if you look at the demographic slide, uh, even as we showed a few weeks ago, you know what, by the year 2070, you know, 50 years from now, uh, Christians will probably only be about 35% of, of everyone in the United States. And even that 35% doesn't represent all Bible-believing you know, Christians. Uh, so I, the, the numbers of Christians in our nation is, is most likely going to decline and shrink. Uh, now, on the one hand, we, we do have the constitutional context, and, and, I, and I don't want to minimize that. Uh, you know, we, we have this document called the Constitution. We have the Bill of Rights. And, and my experience has been that pretty much any time you, you have a constitution, a, a reasonable constitutional review of any situation currently where there is a religious liberty issue at stake, uh, we will generally come out on top. Okay, for example, and that, that again, assumes that you have a, a reasonable uh, judge and judicial system that's willing to read the Constitution for what it says, not for what they want it to say. Uh, I, I think there's already some resistance beyond just the, the, some of the ridicule, you know, the verbal uh, sharpshooting. For example, I think the most obvious is the commercial interference, right? I mean, with, with, the, with the bakery shops and the florists and so forth, especially out on the West Coast, uh, where a same-sex couple comes into a bakery or a floral shop and says, hey, we want y'all to support our upcoming wedding. And, and, and the vendor simply says, you know what, I, just, I, I would love to bake you a cake for your birthday. I would love to do this, that, and the other, but I just I can't in good conscience support this. 
Well, I mean, they have they have received a lot of heat over that, and uh, and have had to spend tens of thousands of, of dollars in legal fees to defend. Uh, and in some cases, they've just simply had to shut down their business. Right? I mean, think about the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation. Whatever that might mean, I know there's a lot of different interpretations out there, but the mark of the beast was primarily a commercial issue, right? That, that they were not allowed to buy and sell if they did not take the mark of the beast. So it may very well be that the first the first layers of persecution will come in a commercial way, right? But then th- there's plenty of others that, that I think could very easily and conceivably come into the situation. Okay, so then how do you... How do you prepare your, yourself for that? How do you prepare your family for that? Uh, I, I think one is that you, you absolutely have to be familiar with what the Bible says. Again, that, that's why we are, we are training and equipping our folks at Crossgate Church to think biblically and to always go back and say, what does the Bible say? Uh, and, and recognize that you have to leave the results to God. I mean, think about this. Daniel didn't, I mean, all he did is he went to the chief eunuch, you know, this guy that was assigned to him to give him all this food and so forth. And, uh, and he basically said, I can't do this. He had no clues of what was going to happen. He could have lost his head. He could have been killed. He could have been thrown in prison. Now, God showed him favor. And as we said on Sunday morning, there's no promise that things are going to always work out the right way. I mean, you know, you, you can't just read Daniel chapter 1 and say, well, see, this is what God owes me. Because if that's the case, then what, what, what do you say to all these dear brothers and sisters who had their heads chopped off by ISIS 10 years ago? Right, I mean, just it, it doesn't always work. This, there's not a promise in advance of of uh, you know prosper, physical prosperity, good fortune, fame, and, and and riches and so forth. But you have to begin with the Word of God and 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 ground yourself in the Scripture and recognize that you know this truly is reality for me. Yeah, and and that's that's sobering thought um, to think that we may face a reality like that. And I, I think it's interesting when you look at Daniel. Um, to see that you know you you don't see him necessarily kicking and screaming and, and trying to fight the guards and and all these things you know like you said he was firm in what he believed and he took a stand um, for that in the right moment but um, I, I just see this underlying faith where he's trusting God that you know no matter the the external circumstance the truth of God's word still remains and and that was his anchor and his hope. Yeah, and let me just add this, and this is a preview of coming attractions. This weekend, we will be in Daniel chapter 3, the famous story of the fiery furnace. Of course, Daniel is not a part of that story, but Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego are. And they take this to the, to, to the, to the explicit, uh, obvious conclusion, and that is God, uh, excuse me, they say, King, we're not going to worship your idol, uh, and we know that God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't. You know, they, they, they made provision. They realized that God was able but God was not obligated. No, that's a good point. Really looking forward to that coming message uh, here next Sunday. So Daniel certainly took a stand, and so did his friends. But like you mentioned, he didn't do it alone, right? So um, you made the case that one of the, the big reasons why they were able to stand was because they were in biblical community. Um, so why is that so important for us today if we want to take a stand without compromising our faith? Well, obviously, there's strength in numbers, right? I mean, there's no way, and we've, you know, we've all heard the little stories and sermons about, you know, the the, the little burning coal, and you take it out of the fire and set it off to the side, and it, <clears throat> and it basically goes cold after a while, and you put it back in the fire, and it warms up again. You know that kind. Of, I mean, honestly, man, I I, I don't want to come across as 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 impatient, but I I, I truly grow impatient 
with with the argument that says I can survive spiritually and I can thrive spiritually apart from community, apart from gathering. And yet we we hear that more and more today. Oh, I don't I don't need to gather with church. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of a of an organized church. You know, and 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 you know, my heart goes out to the people, for example, who have had bad experiences. I mean, everybody, everyone who's been burned by a church in the past, raise your hand. Right. I mean, almost all of us could probably raise our hands in some way. Well. It, it just it doesn't make sense though because if if I had a if I had a bad experience with a lawyer you know that doesn't mean I would never go to a lawyer again if I needed one I just go find a good one right if if I had a bad experience at a doctor's office uh, it doesn't mean I would never go to a doctor again I might not go to that one but I'm still going to go find a good doctor if if I need one so I just you know this we 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 absolutely need to be in community one because the bible the, the bible drives us toward that that's that's undeniable but two in our own experience we realize there there are strength in numbers tom brady can't win a super bowl all by himself yeah well don't tell him that well uh, he he's <laughs> he's having a hard time winning a game surrounded by a whole team at this point but yeah yeah that's true man uh it's a great point and i feel like there's this sense you know with some folks where it's like well church is an option um and you know, maybe not seen as a necessity, um, but it, it really is. Like you said, the idea that that we can grow and thrive spiritually apart from the body of Christ is just it's it's flawed and, and not true at all. Well, check this out. I mean, even going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, this is spiritual warfare. I mean, when someone says, "I don't need to go to church. I can just worship God out on Lake Washita. I don't need to gather." I mean, they have been deceived. Right? That's just not personal preference. That, that is the fact that they have been deceived by the world, the flesh, and the devil because the devil doesn't want them in church. Yeah, and what you talked about the coal and the fire. Like One of my, my favorite illustrations is, you know, I, I think we showed this video um, at Elevate maybe one year, our, our men's weekend, um, where there's this herd of gazelles, right? And, and there's this lion that's stalking them. And um, or maybe they were buffalo, but th- th- this cattle. And then you have these ones that kind of wandered off by themselves, and, and they are the easy targets, right, because they're away Soft from Soft targets, man. Yeah, and so, you know, I never want to become that. And so part of that is if I start to drift, you know, I want people in my life who can speak into that and say, hey, this, these are the things that I see. You're, you're venturing into dangerous territory um, so that I can, you know, make a correction um, well, but he, here's the other thing too, man, is it's the difference between playing not to lose and playing to win. Hmm. You know, we don't come to church so that, so that we can prevent ourselves from, you know, drifting off into some egregious sin. We come to church to grow and, 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 to, and to become the kind of people, <clears throat> excuse me, that God wants us to become. So, you know, it's just not a matter of, well, I need to go to church so that I can stay out, you know, stay one step ahead of the, the devel or the lion in a sense. I mean, yeah. we, we, we want to thrive, and you, you cannot thrive in this world apart from biblical community. It just, it's impossible. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, well, we are almost out of time for the day, but uh, I do want to mention kind of one of the last things you touched on and that was the fact that Daniel and his friends were consistent um, in their convictions. They had absolutely settled in their hearts that they would not give in to this agenda of the culture around them, even when faced with death. And so maybe some folks are listening, Phil, and they would say, man, I haven't been that commit- committed, and I haven't been consistent with taking a stand. Um, or maybe they have been, and they're just growing weary. 
What would you say to those folks who feel like maybe they've blown it or they're just tired of trying to stand? Well, first, two things real quick. First of all, I mean, in terms of, in terms of equipping ourselves and saying, you know, where, where, do I, where do I start in truly taking a stand? Honestly, I think the, the first place is to take charge of your calendar. You know, we talked about the chronological challenges in, in, that we face. Uh, just, just beginning to take a stand in how you spend your time is a, is a great way because, first of all, it, it's, it's something tangible, right? I mean, you, you, you can physically you know, place yourself in this context over here versus doing this over here uh, just with your calendar and, and, and making God a priority with your calendar. But, yes, as, as we said on Sunday morning, it is very easy to get weary of, Choosing what's right, taking a stand, and all of this, especially when we see our coworkers, our friends, even our family members who on Sunday mornings are again out camping, like Washita, they don't even go to church. I mean, they 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 make no room for God whatsoever, and they seem to be doing just fine. And maybe they're even having the time of their lives, enjoying all kinds of things. They're not giving 10% of their income to God every week. They're spending that on toys, you know, and and, and vacations and all these other things. And so it's very easy. Uh, to get weary, uh, but 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 I would just reiterate 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which I shared on Sunday morning, that says, "Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain." That's good and a great way to end the time together today. Thank you so much, Phil. Man, I appreciate that. Love this time together. Hey, before we go, I want to wish a very happy birthday to our editor and producer, Byron Lee, who is with us this morning. Thank you so much for all you do, and go Vols. We'll see you next week. Hey, let me just say this also before we, uh, we, we, we conclude. Byron is the man behind the scenes. He's the man behind the curtain in many ways at Crossgate Church, not just for these podcasts, but but in, in just about everything that comes out on a screen that, that's come out from Crossgate Church has Byron's fingerprints on it. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate Byron Lee, who's, who's provided years of service to the Lord here at, at Crossgate Church. Thanks, and God bless Byron. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, visit us on our website, crossgate.org, or on all of our social media channels.